The scripture for today is in Isaiah 40, the verses 3 through 5. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. All right, well, uh, as I mentioned already in the welcome at the beginning, that's we're going to be, do, it's Palm Sunday today, and so we're going to be doing a special uh, service today, and I know you might have noticed that, we're, you've been coming for a while, that we didn't read Genesis, we're taking a little bit of a break from Genesis, but we will be back after Easter, I know it's a bit sad, some of you are like, feeling, yeah, no, Okay, I was a little bit. I've really been enjoying going through Genesis and all that uh, God's kind of been showing us, but I'm excited to be doing a special Palm Sunday service, especially as we're going to be kind of getting things kicked off for us here at Calvary Chapel as a whole as we head into our celebration of Holy Week, which will go all the way through the week ahead of us. Now, Holy Week really begins then right now, so welcome into Holy Week. You guys excited? All right. Hopefully by the end of this message, you will be excited about Holy Week. So Holy Week begins right now, and it's going to go all the way through the week with every single day, every morning, every evening. We're going to have devotionals through the week. We have a Good Friday service. We're going to have a Saturday vigil. And Easter Sunday is where everything kind of reaches its end at our 10 a.m. service as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ together. It's an awesome, exciting week. Uh, And what I want to focus on today is being prepared for Holy Week. I want us to be prepared for what God wants to do, what God wants to say, and be excited about what God wants to do by preparing ourselves for the week ahead. Now, for some reason, when I think about preparedness, the first thing that comes to my mind is a bit bizarre. I don't know if you've ever heard of like these doomsday preppers. Anybody heard of that? Anybody ever watch American TV? Uh, For some reason, that's like a, was a real call uh, or a, catched for people for a while. I don't know. Uh, it's, it is fun. It's fun to watch these guys. Uh, if you don't know, though, so these are people who usually like stockpile food and usually way too many weapons, uh, more weapons than food. I kind of feel like, you know, you need to eat. Um, you sometimes build bunkers in their backyard and they're like ready for like a zombie apocalypse. Uh, or if you've been reading the news, uh, more likely an AI uprising uh, could be in the future. Um, if, has anybody ever heard of like a bug out bag or has a bug out bag? So if, you, if things go down, go to this guy. He's probably going to be the most prepared. I, you got some weapons, don't you? No, you don't have to tell us. So it's good to be prepared. I don't know why my mind goes to this place. It's good to be prepared. When it comes to an apocalypse preparation, maybe we can overthink it. I don't think we'll be, ever be as ready as we think we are. Um, But we're not going to be focused on preparing for the zombie apocalypse today. Rather, I want to focus on a specific kind of preparation. 
a preparation of our heart, a preparation of our heart as we head into the week ahead. Now, what motivates these like doomsday preppers? What kind of gets them to do all of this stockpiling? Well, I think a lot of it is how they interpret the world around them. They interpret the signs of the times, if you will, and they look at where the world is, where they think the world is heading. They kind of respond with a little bit of fear, I would say, uh, and a desire to kind of take control and to be as prepared as possible for what seems to be an impending doom as they look ahead. But as we prepare for the week ahead, as we're looking ahead to Holy Week, it's let's look at some of the signs. We're going to look at some things that we see in the past and going into the present and into the future and how God uh, is behind a lot of these things and looking at how when we look ahead, when we look at what we're going to be looking at today, how when we look ahead at the signs of what God tells us in his word, we're not filled with fear. We're not driven by fear. We're not motivated to try to take control, but to let go and to be filled with hope. We have hope today. And that's what we're going to be focusing on and thinking about as we head into Holy Week. Now, just if you, just as a you know, disclaimer here, Holy Week in itself, of course, is just a week. It's just an ordinary week. Tomorrow is Monday and then, you know, Tuesday. It's just a normal, ordinary week, of course, within the year. But it's a week that as we look at this week, we're setting it aside purposely to focus our attention on the specific work of the cross. We want to focus our attention. We want to take this week out of our year and focus in our attention on the work of the cross. Now, of course, we should be doing this not just once a week, I hope. I hope it's not just this once and then, okay, now I don't have to think about Jesus all year. We want to be thinking about him and thinking about the work of the cross, hopefully daily at some level, certainly weekly as we come together. That's why we have service on Sundays because it's the day that we remember Jesus rose from the dead. But we want to take this week as a special time where we are purposely being prepared and preparing our heart to be reoriented. Because sometimes we forget this stuff. Sometimes we kind of drift away. We kind of push it aside. It's like I know, but I, we don't really think about it. We want to reorient ourselves. We want to reignite ourselves with excitement and passion about what Jesus has really done we want to reflect on this throughout the week. We want to reflect on what does it mean for the world around us? What does it mean that Jesus has done this? That he came, that he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, that he died a sinner's death and that he rose again. What does this mean for the world that we live in? And how can we proclaim that truth to the world we live in? We want to reflect also on the hope and the strength that it gives us as Christians every day of our life. Right, as I said in the call to worship, we, we want to be strengthened, we want to be encouraged, we want to be lifted up, and that's what we, we see, we experience as we come together. And this is a special time when we focus on the greatest work, the greatest work in human history, and how it fills us with hope, and it lifts us up, and encourages us, and strengthens us. And we want to reflect on, it, on how Jesus' death and resurrection have really changed everything about us have changed our life. It's changed our future, our destination, and even our very existence forever. This is what we want to be preparing ourselves as we head into Holy Week. Now, the theme of this week is turn your eyes. Turn your eyes. How often do we really pause and take time to truly focus our attention? on the genuine hope that we have in Jesus Christ? How often do we really pause and take time to turn our eyes to him? 
And that's what we want to be really, hopefully, today, getting ready for in the week ahead. To be prepared. That our hearts would be softened to what Jesus has done. That we would really be able to turn our eyes to him. Because we are not preparing for a future impending doom fueled by fear. In Christ, we always have hope. We always have something we can come back to, we can rest in and be lifted up in. And so let's prepare ourselves to reflect on this hope that we have in Christ this week. Amen? That's the idea. That's what we're going to hopefully get ready for as we go through the rest of our text today. So let's turn our eyes now to God's word, keeping the preparedness of the cross in mind. Isaiah 40, verse 3, I'll read again. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now there's two things I want to point out here. Our preparedness, our preparedness, how we prepare ourselves, our our preparedness as we're heading into this week. And also God's preparation. God's preparation. And we're going to start with God's preparation with our second point there. Let's consider God's preparation. So let's consider what we're actually looking at here as we read this text. and Maybe zoom out a bit, kind of think about what's going on here. So this, first of all, is a prophecy. So on the surface, this is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. You guys with me so far? All right. And we can certainly deduct that this is talking about John the Baptist, right? The voice in the wilderness kind of sounds John the Baptist-y, doesn't it? But we also know that uh, it's directly, uh, t- we're told that in Uh, Mark chapter 1, where Isaiah 40, this text we just read, is actually quoted, talking about that it is John the Baptist. So he lived in the wilderness. He preached before Jesus began his ministry, preparing the way. And his message was that the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming soon, and the people needed to prepare for his coming. Now, before we get to our preparedness, how to prepare our hearts, how to soften ourselves for the week ahead... Let's continue to zoom out even further and consider God's preparation. So what we're reading here is a prophecy, which means it is the inspired word of God from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired Isaiah, gave him this prophecy about a future point in time when a man would come who would prepare the way for the Messiah. But we know, because we're also in Genesis here in Church at Five, that the real preparation began long before John the Baptist, long before Isaiah prophesied about John the Baptist, and all the way back to the very beginning. We know that in the beginning, the word was with God. Jesus was there at the very beginning. He was there before time began. But we also know, as we looked in Genesis chapter 3, I pointed out that there was already a prophecy about one who would come, who would bring victory over the serpent, right? The seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, and restore the relationship between man and God. That's all the way back in Genesis 3. And so what I want to point out here is God's preparation. God's preparation. God has been preparing the way of salvation from the beginning. He's been preparing the way of salvation since the beginning. From the moment Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden. To the covenant with Abraham. The promises given to David about a future descendant, to the prophets who foretold of the coming Messiah, to John the Baptist who was literally preaching in the wilderness even as Jesus was already on the earth. All of these things were leading up to salvation, ultimately to our salvation. 
God's preparation leads even to the very moment that we're remembering today. And as it is Palm Sunday, let's read one of the texts of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. I'll read it from Matthew. Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 7 through 9. So they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their coats, and he sat on them. That's Jesus sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So much we could unpack there, uh, but we, I really want to point out that this too was a part of God's design. This was a part of God's preparation for salvation. This very moment was prophesied about in Zechariah 9, if you want that for your notes. I'm not going to read it, but that very moment, as Je- and exactly the way that Jesus uh, went in and entered into Jerusalem, had already been prophesied about. My point is that Jesus was not random. I wasn't like, all right, well, there's a donkey. I guess we'll just hop on and ride into the city and see what happens. Everything was purposeful. Everything was orchestrated. Everything was there by design. Jesus is preparing the way to the cross for his last week in Jerusalem before he would head to his death. He's preparing the people, these same people who would later turn on him, and he knows this, just always kind of, it's a, it's a burden on my heart, as I think, as he's, he hears them shouting praise to him, knowing they would also shout crucify him a week later, or less than a week later. And he's preparing his own heart. He's preparing his own heart for what he was about to face for our salvation. And we know that it was a great burden. You see that in the garden as he prays the Lord, if this cup can pass from me, let it be taken. If there's any other way, but not my will, but yours be done. So as we celebrate Palm Sunday and we head into Holy Week, leading to Easter as we remember Christ's resurrection, let's also be purposeful. Let's also be purposeful in preparing our hearts because we serve a God who has been purposeful in preparing our salvation since the beginning of time. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that something to think about, something to meditate on? In fact, the Bible tells us that our names are written in his book even before time began. Every little thing throughout scripture points us to this truth, to our salvation in the works, in the planning, purposely designed. It all points to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells the story of the rebellion of man and the restoration through a savior, purposely designated and distinctly planned and designed so that all of it would point to Jesus Christ. This is our hope. This is the hope that we want to reflect on throughout Holy Week. And I want us to prepare ourselves to reflect on it and to be excited about what it really means. And let me just expand on this. We're gonna keep it pretty short today, but I wanna expand on this idea of hope and what that really means for us, the hope that we have, the hope that we're leaning into as we head into Holy Week, the hope we have in Jesus Christ in order that we may turn our eyes ever more to him throughout the week. Back to Isaiah 40, 
we see one particular, I would say, important prophesied truth that we can overlook if we're not careful. Isaiah 40, verse 4, Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, the uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. That was a bit of a play on words. Kind of paints a picture. And if we kind of think about the actual, you know, in, in Jerusalem, in that area, it's a very rocky, hilly terrain, right? The, in Jerusalem, in the surrounding area, it's anything but flat. And so what this is really telling us is that Something is going to change and it's going to be a dramatic, it's going to be a drastic transformation, a drastic change as leveling off an uneven ground. This is an important truth that we can really begin to pull from this when we think about how much work it takes to really level out an uneven ground, to make it flat. You need earth movers, bulldozers, massive dump trucks. It's a lot of work. Now, of course, we know that that can't be what it means literally, right? Because uh, Jesus, after Jesus' death and resurrection, the ground is still pretty rocky there. It's still pretty hilly in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. Jesus didn't turn the landscape into a football field. So what, what is it really pointing us to? What is it really trying to tell us? Well, it's, again, showing this drastic, the drastic reality of something that was going to change And we see this kind of image of spiritual bulldozing that Jesus would do. We can kind of, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's a a boy thing, a picture of Jesus popping into like a big earth mover and just kind of plowing through and leveling the ground out. And what is it telling us? What is the spiritual bulldozing? Well, it's telling us that at the foot of the cross, the ground would would be made level. That at the foot of the cross, the ground would be made flat. And this is good news for us today. This is good news for us today. The reality is much more transformative, more powerful, more drastic than if he had physically leveled the ground. This spiritual bulldozing is much more drastic than if he had physically done it. See, the culture at the time, and still today in the world, is built on these kind of different levels of righteousness based off of what one does. And Jesus goes, hops into his earth mover and just bulldozes all that away by showing us the truth, showing us the reality that the ground is level at the cross. The ground is level at the cross. Jesus came and flattened the way. He flattened the way. He shows us the truth that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are all equally in need of Jesus Christ for our salvation. We are all equally in need of Jesus for our salvation. I wanna encourage you to meditate on this throughout the Holy Week. Meditate on this truth that the ground is level at the cross. That means from the founders of our faith to the greatest workers in ministry within the church and church history, from Adam to Abraham, from Peter to Paul, from you to me, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are saved by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. I feel like, it's like, okay, yeah, I've heard that, Pastor. But man, we need to take time to meditate on this and it's good to take a week where we really think about what that really means because how often do we forget 
How often do we forget this and the reality of what this means? Sometimes we look at our own sin, even though we know this to be true, we look at our own sin and all of our failures in the past and maybe even in the present and how we're still struggling with certain things. And we think it's just too great. Our sin, my sin is too great. My failures, my failures are too much. And you feel like everybody else seems to be standing on higher ground than me. Why am I in this hole at the cross? You know, I feel like I'm, I'm right here. I'm at like foot level with everybody else. Everybody else seems to be doing much better than me. What's going on? We forget that the ground is level at the cross. That somehow your need for salvation is greater than the needs of others. You know, they're a bit higher up than you. Oh, if they only knew, if they knew the things that I've done, if they knew the things that I struggle with, the things that I think in my mind, the, things that I, the thoughts that I wrestle with, or the things that I'm looking at, the things that I'm continuing to sin in, they'd see that I'm in this hole and that it, it doesn't feel level at all, but it's a truth that's always true. He's bulldozed all that away where the ground is level. Do you think that Jesus' blood is not enough for you? Do you think his blood is not enough for you? The ground is level at the cross. Or maybe you see your sin and you see it as nothing really to worry about. I mean, you're not so bad. You're basically a good person. I mean, you know, you try to be nice, you smile a lot, you tip really well when you go to restaurants, especially in Germany, that's like, a, you get extra points, uh, righteous points if you tip extra in Germany. You place some coins in a cup when you see people sitting on the street. I mean, you know, you're pretty much a good person. And when you see yourself at the cross, you think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit on a hill here. I'm a bit on a hill. I'm a little closer to Jesus than most of the people around me. The ground is level at the cross. And I would say if that's your heart, you might have faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you have a very weak faith. You don't really understand what he's done for you. You don't really understand the weight of sin. Because you think that you don't really need as much of the blood as someone else, as the person standing next to you. And this is pride. And it's dangerous. Our perspectives, and this, the reason I say this is because often our perspectives are distorted. I would say almost always, at some level, our perspectives of ourselves are distorted. We rarely see ourselves as we truly are. And, that, and when I talk about these things, I think there's different aspects of our life. You know, you might look at one area of your life and think, that that's not great. Oh, but I'm doing really good over here. It kind of balances out. But that's not how it really is. And we usually don't see ourselves in the right light. We either look through rose-colored glasses and we think a little bit too highly of ourselves or we look through really distorted glass and we see something much worse than is the reality. But God looks at us through the blood of Christ when we belong to Jesus. And the ground is level at the cross. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how good you are. All have sinned. There is none who seek after God. And the reality of the level ground at the cross is that we're really lying there dead. We're lying there dead in our sin. We were dead and we were brought to life, the Bible tells us. It is Jesus through the work of the cross and the victory of the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit that he comes and raises us to new life. Only then are we truly saved. 
dead in our sin, but we've been raised with Christ. And so Jesus opens our eyes so that we can see the truth of our sin and that we can repent and receive the reality of our salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And this is what I want us to be thinking about and meditating on as we go into this week. Throughout Holy Week, my hope is that for every one of us, for, that we would get as much out of the reality of this as possible, out of the truth of the cross and the resurrection. I want us to see our hope increase, our hope grow, your strength increase, your love begin to overflow as you understand how loved you truly are by Jesus Christ, and your peace grow so much that it surpasses even your own understanding no matter what you're facing. So how then can we best prepare our hearts? How then can we best prepare our hearts? Let me go back to when we look at this prophecy about John the Baptist. Let's think about John as he is preparing the people Literally, as Jesus is already on the earth, he's preparing the people. Be ready, be ready. The, the Messiah is coming. And what was his message? Let me just read Mark 1, 4, just to show that this is who we're talking about when we read through Isaiah. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So what's the first step? How can we really begin to prepare our hearts? Well, the message of John the Baptist was repent. That famous line, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's here. Get ready. What do you need to do? Repent. See your sin and know that you are a sinner because if you don't understand you're a sinner, you're not going to go to a savior. Anytime we want to enter into this kind of special time of reflection, we want to come before the Lord. We want to open our hearts to hear God's voice. That's my hope for Holy Week. We want to be hearing God's voice, to gaze upon his greatness, to meditate on his grace. Let me encourage you to begin with repentance. Repentance. Take time. Take time today. Don't wait. Take time today, this week, to lay down your sins before the Lord. We all sin, all fall short. Pretty sure that everybody here has sinned, at least at some level, this week. We want to repent that we can come with our hearts open, really just open as deep as possible to get all that we can out of this week ahead. And what a better time than now. What a better time than Holy Week to find freedom from sin in your life. What better time than this week that we are setting aside to reflect on the one who paid the penalty for those sins. The theme of our Holy Week is turn your eyes. And the text is going to be Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. If you come throughout the week, you're going to hear this text read a lot, but I'll read it to you now. This is our kind of focused verse or passage for the week, the Holy Week this year. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, 
looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. It's a very powerful and encouraging verse. Good one to be meditating on throughout the week. Throughout this week, we will be, again, we'll be reading that text almost every day, and we're going to be looking a lot at it from different angles uh, throughout the different um, devotionals and on Good Friday. And So I won't really unpack everything that you could uh, in that verse. And instead, I want to just really focus again on this idea of preparing ourselves. We'll actually already begin to close. We want to prepare ourselves for this week ahead. And first of all, please believe me. Please believe me that God wants to bless us throughout this week. God wants to bless us as a church, to encourage us, to strengthen us throughout this week. We truly honor him by collectively as a body of believers, setting time aside to turn our eyes to Jesus, to look to him as he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, to look to him as he was arrested and crucified and rose again. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. I know we know this stuff, but this is the week that we set aside to meditate on it, to be reignited, to be encouraged, to be filled again with passion and hope and strength, that Jesus changes everything. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. It is him who has been in works to prepare the way for our salvation down to your salvation, that you would come to a knowledge of the truth. And not only did he get us there, but he perfects it. He continues to work in us. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are sanctified, being renewed constantly, made into the image of Christ. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. So prepare your heart for what God wants to say to us as a church, collectively, and to you personally through this week ahead as you meditate on these truths. And here's a few practical things to consider when you're preparing yourself for Holy Week and Easter. Again, number one, repent. Repent. Don't come with your sins. Take time, repent, lay them aside. What does the, uh, the passage here in Hebrews say? Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, doesn't it? It's, it clings so closely. It's so close to us. It, it corrupts us. It puts a, a blinder on us. It, it, it distorts our vision. It clouds how we see the world around us, how we see ourselves. Get rid of that sin first. Repent. Give it to Christ. He's paid for it. Repent of that sin so that this week you can really come with a heart ready to receive all that God has for you. Don't be weighed down. Lay it at the cross and remember that the ground is level there. It doesn't matter how big the sin or how small. It's always a good thing to confess it to the Lord. The second thing I would give you is to pray, right? He endured the cross. He endured the cross so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. We need strength, we need encouragement, we need him to be lifting us up, so pray for it. Pray that God would renew your passion this week, that he would deepen your understanding of what he's done for you and the true reality of it. Even if you've heard it a thousand times, 
that it would become something new to you, that it would, a, a new passion and, and a reignited passion maybe for what he's done to sharpen your vision of the true reality of the work of the cross. Pray for that this week. And, and I would say within your prayers throughout the week, it's a good prayer to pray uh, just prayers of thanksgiving for what he's done. Sometimes I, I try to pray, uh, you know, and I'm, when, throughout when I'm thinking about these things and I just can't get past thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And it usually leads to tears as I just think about how much he loves me, how much he loves me, how great his grace is. So pray. Another thing I would encourage you in, if you haven't been uh, kind of uh, in any way going through Lent or leading, giving anything aside for Lent, uh, that here in this last week, um, it's, it's not a bad idea to consider fasting. Uh, it's not something I would maybe push on you or force you or say you have to do that. But I do think it can be a good thing to consider uh, to fast something throughout the week. Um, you certainly can consider fasting food. Um, but it doesn't have to be food. I like this idea of, of let us also lay aside every weight, right? He says every weight and sin. So there's also weight in our life, right? There's, and sometimes it's not necessarily bad things. It's just weight. It's maybe not things that are, uh, you know, that God is against or that is against God, but they just, they're distractions in our life. They're things that fill up too much of our time or whatever it might be. This can be a special week where we say, you know what, that's not maybe a bad thing, but maybe this week I don't need to binge watch that Netflix series. Or maybe this week I, I don't need to, uh, you know, whatever it is that is your distraction, I don't need to indulge in that this week. I can lay that aside. And again, fasting food, it, you don't need to not eat all week. You can just say, you know what, I'm going to skip. Uh, I, don't, I, always, I don't really eat breakfast anyway, so I always feel like it's, not, it's cheating if I skip breakfast as fasting because it's like I... It's just normal week for me. Uh, so a meal that you would normally eat, you say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to eat this meal. I want to devote this time, and I'm going to take that time instead and, and pray and just seek God. And it, it's this kind of showing the seriousness. That God, you are more important even than sustenance for my body. You are even more important than that. Even my basic needs, I see you, and my desire to want to know you more is more important. And it, it can be, it comes from that heart. It can be a really encouraging thing to do or to consider doing. And again, there's also all of those other things that you can consider fasting, uh, like Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, also other things like alcohol uh, or sweets, uh, whatever it might be, things that you can say, you know what, I'm going to lay those aside this week. I have a few things that I, I'm going to try to lay aside, me and my wife are going to do, um, just as a time of devotion as we focus in on Christ and look to him this week. And that's maybe one other thing I would say is taking time to reflect. To really take time to reflect, looking to Jesus. One thing to do within that is to read through these passages. Read through uh, Jesus last week as he heads uh, to the cross. Uh, come to the devotionals. I would say it's a good thing to come to the devotional if you can. There's one in the morning, one in the evening throughout the week. Come to the Good Friday service or the Saturday vigil. Come to Easter Sunday. And these devotionals are especially are really a special time where it's, it's low key. It's, uh, there's a little bit of a, an input, but then there's time for prayer. There's time for reflection where we can really meditate on what Christ has done in a special way. Uh, and so I encourage you to do that. And through your time this week of repentance, of prayer, of fasting, of getting into his word and looking at what he's done, I would encourage you to just purposely orient yourself to turning your eyes to him, turning your eyes to him. 
and see what God does with that. See how God encourages you. See what God does with that. And just thinking about all that he's done. Thinking about all he's done. And let me just say, with that, take, if you're going to make a decision in this, come expecting. It's okay to come expecting. That's faith. It's okay to come expecting that God will do something. That's faith. That he is faithful. I trust that he's faithful. I know I'm not always faithful. I'm not as faithful as I could be or should be. But he is faithful. He's always faithful. And when we come to him, he answers us and encourages us and strengthens us. So be expecting as you begin to orient yourself and prepare your heart for the week ahead. Let's be excited and be expecting. Let's have our hearts softened by the Spirit. And let's be encouraged and filled with hope this week. And make no mistake, God has been preparing your salvation since the beginning. Preparing your heart to come to know him. So prepare your heart now for the week ahead as you focus on what he's done for you and what it means for your life as you gaze upon Jesus with purpose and expectation and out of the deep love and adoration that you have for your Savior. Amen. So let me close with prayer and I'll invite the band to come up. Father, we thank you that we can purposely take this time, take this week to orient our hearts, to focus in, to be purposeful, to remember what you've done. Oh, I feel like we could, we could focus on it forever and, and never truly grasp the depth of what you've done for us and what it really means and how it really transforms everything about our existence. I thank you that you know us, that you love us, and that you are preparing our hearts now as we look ahead to the week. May you show us more of you as we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. We say goodbye to those watching online. We're glad that you could be a part of this. And if you are here in the area, I hope that you can join us also for Holy Week or wherever you are as well. So I invite you now 